Coming up next on the Jeff Curley Show, we'll be looking at the mental health pandemic with two leading experts, their journey just ahead. Many are predicting that the worst is yet to come, which is unfortunate, said one person here. Until now, they've enjoyed the reputation of being the nation's icebox. Watched a burglar in his home this morning by webcam. As a journalist of over 25 years, stories are what make my world turn. Reporting live from the Dallas Newsroom tonight, Jeff Curley, Fox 4 News. But in 2008, I took the jump from my familiar life and started a PR firm from my home. We're talking about anyone with a camcorder like the one I'm using becomes a television network. We started slowly growing the company and we now have over a hundred clients and we've branched into the world of live digital broadcasting. I now own eight different TV studios and have a huge team. And the stories that I now get to share are sometimes the most important of my life. Life has a funny way of coming around full circle. This is the Jeff Crilly Show. Well, I've said this before on this broadcast that I think the whole world is in a mental health pandemic. You can't shut down the world and shut down economies and send everybody into their home uh, with a mask and and then pretend that it didn't happen. And I th think we've gone back to business as usual, but the mental health pandemic continues. To talk about that today, two leading experts, Dr. Beth Lesby and Dr. Cheryl Jackson. Thank you both for coming on the show. Thank you. We're glad to be Thank here. You for having Absolutely. Us, yeah. Well, I, I have to tell you, just for myself, I'm a, I'm a happy-go-lucky guy. The only time I can remember in my adult life falling into a depression was during the three weeks where uh, my wife and I both got COVID together. And I realized, man, I'm in a funk. Like, I, I'm a happy yeah. person, but I get energy from other people. Mm -hmm. So if as an adult, I'm struggling with that. Yeah. Imagine the kids. Right. So why don't we start with you, um, Dr. Lusby? What, what are you seeing on the front line? Currently. Um, well, like many, some kids are doing pretty well. There, there certainly are those kids who are resilient and for whatever reason, they're doing well. But there are certainly kids that we see on a regular basis who are still struggling with fallout related to the pandemic. Yes. Um, to those restrictions that they experience at that time. So um, one example I would give is kids who were in early elementary school where they're learning to read. Some of them, if you were going to have trouble reading, you didn't get caught. Um, and so some of those kids are now getting caught, but it's a little bit late to catch them. That would just be one very minor example. Sure. And Dr. Jackson, let's bring you in on this. Um, sure. you, you specialize in anxiety. Yes. Uh, are you <laughs> noticing that the, the, the patients you're seeing are, are suffering something that they would not have suffered had the pandemic Certainly. not happened? Certainly. In particular, um, especially kind of early adolescents, late adolescents who might have had some level of social anxiety before the pandemic, the pandemic offered this opportunity to hide without anyone forcing them to go out and do anything and kind of practice their social skills. And so now that everything's opened up and the expectation is that, oh no, you should be out there. They are now expected to be out in the world. They're anxious about it. And in many ways, they haven't had the time to practice not only social skills, but even just the normal growing up that occurs during adolescence. Sure. I'm going to take you guys both back in your mind to the height of the pandemic. I remember um, being afraid to sneeze in public. Yeah. Because if you sneezed, oh my goodness, you've got COVID. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And for a child, I mean, that, oh, yeah. yeah, it's even worse. Right. They're exactly. So as adults, we're adjusting, but they're, that's their 
their experience for some kids. That's what they remember. Um, I would say like the late teens and early 20s in particular, if you'll remember, it was a a huge movement of, oh, and you're going to kill your grandparents. Right. You know, like your behavior and you trying to be a, 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 you know, kind of a typical teenager or typical early 20s, um, you're going to kill everyone you love. And so some really incredibly conscientious kids, young adults, you know, felt incredibly anxious about, oh my gosh, the responsibility of everyone that I love is is weighing on me and whether or not I've done everything correctly. And so it heightened a lot of anxiety for a lot of those folks and depression. Sure. Um, yeah. Dr. Lusby, we're going to bring up your website. And as we scroll down, it is Cornerstone Assessment and Guidance Center. Yes. And you're in Colleyville. How yeah. long have you had the, uh, the business? So uh, I've been in Colleyville for almost 20 years now. Um, and serve uh, children and adolescents. I do um, psychotherapy and uh, assessment, so neuropsychological testing for children and adolescents. Wow. And um, we'll talk about your practice, Dr. Jackson. So I am... My practice is named the Anxiety Clinic of North Texas. So I work with anxiety disorders and OCD in particular across the lifespan. So, uh, and I've been doing that came here to Texas in 06. Prior to that, I had been at the University of Alabama at Birmingham and doing that. I was the director of the anxiety OCD program there. So that's pretty much been all I do. (laughs) I I have a lane that is anxiety and that's what I do. And you guys teamed up on a book a couple of years ago. Let's going to, we'll put the book cover up on the screen and I want you guys to talk about it. Yes. So we, when, what we were seeing in the clinic was there's a need for this. And I think in some ways being in Texas kind of put us on the front end of it because Texas schools went back uh, before some other places in the country. And so we said, okay, let's write this book. And honestly, in some ways it's, it, it, it had a bit of a short term um, nature to it, but it just, we wanted to get out there. The, some of the things that we were seeing and the concerns that we were having. Is there a book too? There needs to be a book too. Yeah. You know, in lots of ways, the book that we wrote can be, it, it's an anxiety book in, in lots of ways. It can be, it, it addresses more than just the pandemic. Hmm. Much of what's in there is just general. And um, uh, Dr. Lesby, you often get called to talk to the media. We found a wonderful clip, and I got to tell you before we roll this, this uh, was an interview you did two years ago. So this is the height of the pandemic. It was okay. NBC5. Okay. Let's go ahead and roll a clip. As schools work to get students back on track, counselors and nurses say they are busier than ever before post-pandemic. Education reporter Wayne Carter says it's something schools didn't plan for, but are working to address immediately. I think we're really seeing the effects this year. At Walnut Hill Elementary, counselor Michelle Atkins says this year has been much harder than she expected. They've been out of school for 18 months. Some students have been virtual for 18 months. So this is like a new beginning, um, you know, a new format, coming to school with a mask on, still doing a lot of virtual work, even though they're in person. And I think it's just overwhelming. Students in middle and high school are stressed out. Some worried about the academic losses of the pandemics and if they'll be ready for college. Others have lived at home, social distanced, and are now in crowded hallways filled with kids many who don't mask up. It's always going to be like a, I guess you could say a a sort of fear because, you know, there's just so many kids compared to like 
Last year and now there's like a thing going around where there's a second COVID or another COVID. The stress of school is a big deal. It's been around long before COVID, but the pandemic took kids who were coping and pushed them to their breaking point. Beth yes. Lusby is a psychologist. She's seen so many young patients battle in school stress during the pandemic. She wrote a book to try to help them. It's almost like during that period of time that, that people were away, uh, we developed a different body, uh, you know, sort of distanced uh, comfort level with people being around us. Lusby says parents have to talk to their kids, even if they seem fine, and encourage them to talk to someone on campus. Michelle Atkins says while many people didn't anticipate this issue, the help for it is there. As counselors, we're just naturally in tune to that part of the student. Uh, we started to see that this year is going to be the even more challenging year as everyone comes back. Even though it's meant she's super busy, Michelle is encouraged that students are taking steps to clear their minds so they're primed to learn. Wayne Carter, NBC5. And one of the things I noticed in that report is we're we're finally having a, a you know a global conversation about mental health, and there's not the stigma that was attached to these kind of kinds of conversations as might have happened before the pandemic. Do you want to speak to that? I do think that there's a reduced stigma in terms of seeking mental health treatment, and there there certainly are positive aspects of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Same thing. It's added the value. Uh, people recognizing that their emotional well-being is actually important to their quality of life. And so the recognition that obviously, you know, we've long known how important physical well-being is, but the, the true acceptance of the emotional well-being is also incredibly beneficial and it can shut us down. Sure. Right? I mean, and that those things are inter interrelated, like exactly. sunshine, for instance. We can't, it's not optional. We need to be outside. We need to be getting... Um, decent food, like the the whole um, interplay between those things is important, that mental health and physical health are sure. the same. And I, I like it that celebrities are now, you know, when they're, they're having mental health issues, they go ahead and announce uh -huh. it to the world. I remember a couple of years ago, Simone Biles um, uh -huh. had this kind of, they called it the yips uh -huh. and um, really uh, couldn't perform. Simone Biles is one who I really am pleased because she's back in. You know, there was, it's understandable that there are times when our mental health issues, I don't know if that was so much mental health as the yips being also a physical, like she was at physical danger. But, um, but I love that she's come back in, that she's facing her anxieties. And, and it turns out that that is crucial in terms of managing anxiety. We don't want to avoid things. We want to go toward them as much as possible. Sure. You guys have also teamed up on a podcast. We're going to bring up your uh, podcast page off of Instagram. Uh, I love the name, Psych Chat. Uh, what, tell us about the podcast. I'll say this. It started because we were often chatting about these psychological issues, theories, um, concerns we were seeing coming into the office. And we were having these talks and we had some colleagues who had overheard us and said, y'all, this is fascinating stuff. And, and, and so we were like, maybe, I don't know that it's that fascinating. But but since then, we've received some feedback that was like, okay, this is it. So that was kind of some of the beginning. Yeah. 
And there's also a lot of misinformation out there, and I love it that you guys are kind of cutting through the noise. Uh, these days, influencers can come up with these crazy theories, right. and there's just a lot of misinformation, isn't there? There is a lot of misinformation, and that it, I think it's a lot of opportunity because there's so much good science. There is good information, and we have now this opportunity to get information to people um, with technology, and so it's kind of fun to have talk to people. I mean, some of the people that are following us are from the UK. I mean, it's just fascinating to yeah. see where you get information out there. For the parents, what are some um, red flags that they should watch for with their kids? How do they know if their kid is struggling with something? Um, I'd say there are actually lots of different things, right? So there's not like a one specific thing. Um, uh, one, which seems so obvious, but I will point it out. If a child comes and says, I, I, I'm having trouble, then they probably are, yeah. <laughs> right? And so often as parents, um, you know, we'll kind of, well, okay. And then we have soccer practice and then we have music lessons and then we have, you know, so our lives are so busy. So recognizing that, okay, if the child comes to you, other than that, I would say other big red flags are when you see previous um, success start to decline. So, oh, they used to be more outgoing. They used to be interested in that. Now they don't seem to be. Mm -hmm. Or of course it's not typical, you know, right. like mm -hmm. you know, typical teenagers tend but to like, withdraw some. I don't want to play soccer anymore. There could be more to it than- Exactly, right. exactly. Excessive use of technology where you're just sort of withdrawing into not mm -hmm. interacting with people. And that's a common one. Sure. I think yeah. they, um, social media, we've seen a number of articles saying that uh, social media is going to feed you more of what you're looking for. Yeah. So child looks into anorexia. Mm -hmm. Next thing you know, they're being fed a bunch of uh, noise, right? Right. They're getting sites that actually glorify anorexia. There, there are sites out there that do that. Right. Um, I would say right now, like I love the notion and the awareness of psychological disorders and psychological issues. I think that's an incredible positive. I think one of the negatives that comes with that is the oversimplification so that it seems like, oh, it's a checklist. And so, well, if I have this, this, and this, then I must have that disease or disorder. And it's, it's far more nuanced than that. And so it's like, you know, you may you may look on paper like you meet criteria, but that doesn't mean that you have the most catastrophic of psychological disorders or issues. And that you know, so to me, that's one of the rights that we'd like to uh, create out there is the recognition of that a lot of what we're going through is normal human condition types of issues, which still may need help, right? It still could benefit from some counseling, right. but it's not a horrific psychological concern that that frightens everybody. Sure. You know, we're, we're almost out of time. So we'll, I'll give you both a chance to give final thoughts. Uh, uh, Dr. Lesby, you want to start? Well, I'm first of all, I'm grateful for the opportunity to talk with you um, because part of what we want to do is be able to get more good psychological information to people. And this is a, just a really wonderful opportunity to talk about that. Thank you. Dr. Jackson? I'd like to say also thank you. And I would like to invite anyone who wants to come to Psych Chat and kind of take a peek, follow us, like us, share stuff, or tell us what more you'd like to hear about or other issues you'd like us to address, whether in podcast form or in, uh, you know, what we're putting out there on Instagram. So Outstanding. You guys have been amazing. We're going to end again with the Instagram. Psych.chat is their Instagram. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank, thank you. you. That's it for now. We'll see you next time.